Hello and welcome. This is the Yoga Revolution podcast. My name is Jeevana Heyman. My pronouns are he and him. This podcast is an exploration of how we can live yoga right now and how we can apply the yoga teachings in our lives. We'll discuss the intersection of yoga and social justice, as well as how to build a practice that supports our activism. All my guests are contributors to my new book, Yoga Revolution, Building a Practice of Courage and Compassion. Thanks so much for joining me. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me again for this episode of the Yoga Revolution podcast. I'm so excited to be here today with Adrian Molina. Hi, Adrian. Hey, Jivana. How are you? Good. Good. I, let me introduce you first. Um, so Adrian Molina has been teaching yoga since 2004 with an extensive worldwide following through his platform and school of yoga, Warrior Flow. Adrian is also a writer, meditation teacher, sound therapist, end of life doula, mental health first aid facilitator, ambassador for accessible yoga and yoga for all, and a TCTSY facilitator. Adrian is recognized as a community organizer and founder of the Warrior Flow Foundation, a nonprofit that brings the benefits of movement, therapeutic and accessible yoga, mindfulness and stress reduction to schools, shelters, hospitals, police, first responders, and hospice care. He's also the co-founder of Warrior Flow TV, an online video platform that makes fitness and yoga accessible to anyone, anywhere, anytime. And I'll put a link in for your website um, in the show notes. So anyway, how is that? Thank for, you. <laughs> That's a <Thank> lot. You. <laughs> you're very busy. You're a very busy person. Yeah, it looks like. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Thanks for talking with me today and also for contributing to the book, um, Yoga Revolution. I, I've been starting these conversations by asking each contributor to read their contribution. Um, so I wonder if you could do that for us. I would love to. Okay. After teaching commercial yoga for many years, my heart pulled me in a different direction. I went through some difficult chapters in my personal life, but the practice stood next to me. Reflecting back, I learned different ways to relate to the practice of yoga and different ways to share the teachings. I longed to share the practice in unconventional places with underserved audiences, homeless shelters, hospitals, police, and fire stations, and more. I wanted the practice to bring hope to those who felt forgotten because I had been there once. I never thought the practice of yoga would become my doorway into social justice, but these days I cannot see one without the other. That's so awesome. Thank mm. you. And we have a really great picture of you. You're, you're teaching and talking into a mic in the yeah. outside class. Yeah. Anyway, that I, is I love a... that. That picture is funny because that's my first community class when I decided that I wanted to work outside of the uh, yoga studios. And so I reached out to the city of Miami. I'm based in Miami Beach, Florida. And so that was still is one of the classes that I teach every Sunday. It's in the middle of Lincoln Road. For those who are familiar, it's our pedestrian mall. Uh, and we do that, that community class every Sunday. In Miami, right? Is that in Miami? In Miami, in South Beach. South Beach. Yeah. Um, 
So there's something you said in here that really touched me, and I just wondered if you'd be willing to share more about it. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's too personal, but in, in that quote, you say you wanted the practice to bring hope to those who felt forgotten because I had been there once. Mm-hmm. And what, what do you mean by that, that you felt you'd been forgotten? I must start crying, but uh, <laughs> okay. uh, it got, it's funny that you mentioned that part because I was just, as I was reading that, I, uh, I felt that too. And it, it's basically everything that happens to me in my personal journey after teaching yoga for many, many years and starting to realize that as I was going through different chapters of my life, how the practice was helping me to go through those situations, but also uh, particularly specific situations like losing my mom or being diagnosed with depression. But starting to see other people going through many difficult challenges and either they didn't have the tools, the resources, the knowledge of the practice, like maybe you and I have, but with the same, in the same, uh, in the same way, sometimes even when I had the tools, the knowledge, the practice, the skills, those life experiences happen, and I didn't know how to implement them because emotionally I wasn't ready, and. So in those situations, I felt that I could have I could have tried or do things differently uh, to help others. So I find myself many times wishing or wanting to help others because I knew how to do it, but deep within myself, I wasn't ready. So that's that's one part of what I feel that uh, I wrote that part. And then the discovery that for those who don't have the resources, once you cross that fear of not being sure if you can help them, then the beauty of how much impact you can have in their lives. I don't know if that kind of goes back into what I said there, but yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I mean, I, I'm, really interested in that aspect of your work. In fact, the basically what I feel like you're talking about is how your personal experience of feeling, I don't know, of struggling Mm -hmm. made you realize that other people are struggling and don't have access to these practices or know how to know how to use them. And so you wanted it it motivated you to serve. So it's like your struggle, you you turned it into service, it seems like. And Yes, 100%. And also feel feeling inadequate myself, having all these years of learning and studying. And sometimes when I was going through difficult uh, chapters in my life, the practice was there. But it wasn't until I was able to put the practice in motion by wanting to help others, by feeling that inspiration and that call, that's when the practice really makes sense to me. And interesting enough, then the practice reflected back at me. 
there's this mm-hmm. culture that says, oh, first self-care, first take care of yourself, and then you can help others, mm-hmm. which I agree to some extent. But in my experience, it, it was the realization that what I knew or what I've been practicing for so many years can make such a difference in some people's lives that then that experience of connection, it reflected back at me, bringing more of a sense of integration in my own life. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. Totally. I, I, I think I had the same experience. I think that's how Accessible Yoga started and all of my teaching. It's Service is a very um, subtle and complex thing. It, it's, it's two directions, you know? It's like people think when you're offering service that it's like very generous and you're just giving, giving, but there's so much back. You get so much mm. and not just gratitude, but um, a deeper understanding of yourself yeah. and of how to practice. So in the case of this, where you're sharing yoga with populations that may not normally have access that have been um, like disenfranchised, it also helps you understand the practice better. I think that's what you're yes. saying. Yes. Um, in fact, well, I, I, this is what I feel. I always felt that about you. And that's why I put that, your quote is actually in the section of the book on service, you know, which is the beginning of the second section of, of the book where I really try to explain that. And it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to explain this topic. I find it, it seems like it's lost these days in yoga. Yes. I was reflecting this morning and I knew that you and I were going to get into a really good conversation, but I was reflecting that in my yoga career or for the last almost 20 years that I've been practicing, you know, like a lot of yoga practitioners that have 20, 25, 30 years of practice, they perhaps starting connecting to yoga through a lineage or, you know, in a way that is more spiritual or connected to the roots of yoga in a way. I was basically, I started practicing yoga into yoga studio. Within three months, I took a teacher training and right away I was teaching in a corporate, in the corporate of yoga, you know, a, a, and that's, that's been one of my uh, main employers for almost 15 years teaching at a fitness studio that of course has really nice yoga studios but I was reflecting into the fact that my yoga practice which is rooted in in spirituality and service all these years happened into that environment and how after so many years I felt the need that I needed to break free from that even though I knew it was bringing a lot of joy and and it was helping a lot of my students. But part of me, it felt that I needed to take that step and go into the opposite direction, into a deeper layer of the practice, particularly with what, what I experienced in my personal life. And these days, I don't see myself going back. And every other week I have calls for studio owners. Hey, would you like to teach a class? And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) you know, I feel alive. Like yesterday I was teaching at the police station. This is a fun, I mean, not not sure if it's funny, but probably it's an interesting story to share with you. 
I show up to teach my one of my two classes that I teach at the police stations. So I have a lot of uh, uh, detectives, administrative staff from the police station, uh, police officers that go out on the day on bikes or the cars. And the place that we do our yoga class is not a typical yoga studio. It's just basically where they do all the taser trainings, all the self-defense, and yeah. twice a week they do yoga. Mm. Nonetheless, yesterday the studio wasn't available, so we ended up doing yoga right outside of the police station where everyone walks in because stuff happens in the city of Miami Beach, close to uh, the entertainment district. And still, we were practicing on the floor outside of the yoga studio, no mats or anything, lots of noise, lots of people screaming in the background. And these detectives and the officers at the end of the practice, they were relaxed. They were mm -hmm. out, even on the, on the police station. And those are the moments that I live for. They're so That's appreciative. Amazing. That makes yeah. me feel alive. Um, yeah. I know what you mean. I, I love, uh, I love that. I love the, well, I love bringing yoga into unusual places. I think, um, that's all I've ever really done. I mean, I barely taught in studios. I mean, more recently I have through trainings, but, um, you know, always taught in hospitals and community centers. And there's always that challenge of the space and also like the environment and having to be extra focused because you're dealing with these constant distractions, but it, in a way it can be helpful because it makes it, it makes you work a little harder as a teacher and also for the students, they really have to like turn their attention inward because there's so much going on outside. Like I remember at the hospitals where I taught and we would have this one hospital I taught in for 15 years, they would always have the loudspeaker. We couldn't turn it off and it would say like, Sometimes it would say code blue, code blue. That means that someone's dying in the emergency room. It like come to the emergency room, code blue. And it's like, you know, you'd be lying in Shavasana hearing code blue, code blue. Yes. And it just make, brings your awareness to, well, humanity and connection and, and death. I mean, yes. these topics are real. And I'm sure in the police station, it's similar. It's like real yes. life happens there. Also, so. I don't know if it's on the selfish side, but on the more personal side, I like to have the, the contrast. I think that if you really want to experience the practice and the teaching, you have to experience that contrast that mm. you not, you cannot always rely into the yoga studio concept or, uh, yoga as sometimes it's being portrayed. It's, it's interesting and it's helpful to experience the other aspect, which is teaching yoga in places that you wouldn't imagine yoga happening or yeah. people that they will never imagine that they will do a yoga class. And then here's a yoga class in the hospital. Here's the yoga class in the homeless shelter. For example, in the homeless shelter last week, I go once a week to one of the shelters and I get a group of 20 to 30 participants. Mm. And Let's put it this way, all these classes, they're mandatory. So none of them are in there by choice. So that's the first thing that I know. I'm walking into a room where if they wanna get whatever perks or benefits from having perfect attendance, they have to take my class whether they love or hate the class for myself or mm -hmm. anything. So I was teaching a class that, and then at so the hard. end- That's so hard, I would just say that's so hard, you know? It is. <laughs> it's mandatory. Uh. 
that's the worst yeah and so imagine and and so i'm very aware where i'm walking in and so the first thing that i tell them is that thank you for taking the class and i know that you might not be here by choice and so i present myself just the way i am and i tell them let's try to do the best we can and so last week i think i was teaching the class and at the end you know i've been doing this class for a couple of years now so there's always the same group that changes every six months and a couple of them came at the end and they told me this is the best thing that happens in our program every week we really look forward to that and i was just saying to myself wow you don't have a home you don't have a car you don't have anything you're going probably through one of the most difficult situations in your life which is always a check a weekly check-in for me just to appreciate where i am in, in my life and to be of service and they give themselves fully wholeheartedly to the experience and seeing them re being relaxed at the end of the practice, being more open, knowing everything that they're going through. Um, I don't know, that, that, that class happens every Wednesday. And I think that when I'm getting to the middle of the week, when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed sometimes, uh -huh. that's the perfect reality check for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's beautiful. I mean, I, I just, I, I wonder if you have any ideas or like tips for people who might be interested in doing that work. Um, you know, teachers who might be interested in sharing yoga at a homeless shelter or, or other kind of unusual um, places or underserved audiences, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, I think the first thing will be just to take the accessible yoga online training. <laughs> Thanks. Because that opens up. No, seriously. Yeah. I mean, Seriously, it will be, I'll be lying if I say that after you're done with your 200 hour yoga teacher training, you can go and teach the homeless or prisons or shelters or, or yeah. police. It's not happening. Uh, the populations that you get in all these uh, organizations and all these uh, places is for the most part, people that they have never done, done it before. And so having a, a background of the world of possibilities that the human body presents in terms of movement is very helpful. So definitely just take a training such as the, the one that you offer mm -hmm. and then get resourceful. Don't, don't wait for someone to do something for you. Just go and knock on the door and say, Hey, I want to teach yoga. And, and some of these places might have never had yoga before. A lot of the places that I'm offering classes, they didn't have yoga before until I went and I, ex I explained why they needed to have a yoga class. What, I, what surprises me or amazes me sometimes is the, how far we are from the reality that happens in homeless shelters, hospitals. We live our lives going from home to work. And we all know that there are homeless shelters. We all know that there are hospices in our area. But somehow, in my experience, I'm just talking first person. I used to think that all those places are so far out or it will be so difficult for me to get into those places because yeah. certain people do that kind of work. And then at the same time, I was feeling that call of, I want to do that work. 
And so once I faced the fear of feeling that I wasn't enough, the, the knowledge that I had over the years, it wasn't enough. Once I realized I'm enough, I'm good enough. I can do this. I have to do this. If I don't do it, nobody else will do it. Then you can knock on these places. You can have conversations. And more often than not, you'll realize that they're very open-minded to it. And they need help. This is the interesting thing. They need help. That's so useful. And I'm curious about how you care for yourself. Like, it seems that, um, I don't know, certain people I know who do a lot of service, (laughs) they tend to really push themselves hard and and they just, you know, constantly giving and serving all the time. And you seem like somebody like that, that you're constantly finding new ways to share and um, teach. And I just wondered if you have, how is that for you? I mean, is it challenging? Uh, To say the least. (laughs) (laughs) It is very challenging, and I think it's the what I'm coming to see as the next natural progression of the practice in my personal life, realizing that, okay, I wanted to be of help. Mm. I wanted this to be a practice that is not only for my own benefit, but the benefits of others. I've done that. I'm doing that every day. I'm lucky that I get to go every week to different places such as police, shelters, hospitals. But now the practice, once again, is reflecting back at me and saying, okay, you've done that, but now it's time to prioritize yourself, to take care of yourself. Which for the first time I am understanding it after doing all the work that we were just talking about. I'm seeing that self-care, or finally I'm understanding that that idea of self-care is I'm understanding the magnitude and the importance of it. Before I didn't know. For me, before it was I didn't have time for it, it wasn't necessary. But I think if I haven't done the work of helping others and realizing how much the practice hasn't have improved their lives. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't understand that I had to do that work myself. I mean, that's my personal experience. Now I am more aware of the need of the practice, the silence, the journaling. The mm. I'm more aware of the need of doing less, although I'm doing a lot, mm-hmm. but I'm more aware of it. Instead of go, 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 go all the time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I think I'm a lot like you in that way. (laughs) And, uh, it's very hard to find the balance, you know, because I, I know for myself, I get a lot out of service. Like I like to be active. It keeps my mind occupied. And that sometimes if my mind isn't occupied with focusing on service and teaching or something then I go into you know I, I I deal with a lot of anxiety and so my mind gets all caught up in issues so I actually find it's the work it's the teaching that can be a kind of self-care for me but I also know that physically I can, it can be draining so I I don't know to me it's not so simple like 
it's not like self-care is this easy thing. It just is, you know, go rest and you're done. Like it's way more complex because it changes each day. Sometimes what I need to do is actually go be active and go teach or, you know, go on a bike ride or spend hours in my garden. Um, but sometimes I just need to work and work and work. And that's what I, that's what I need. I, uh, I agree. And, and I know that this is a word that is popular these days in our vocabulary, but kind of have, I rejected a little bit self-care yeah. because sometimes it's like, oh, let me get a manicure or pedicure or massage, yeah. or let me go to a spa, which is totally fine. I love doing those things. But we're talking, I guess what we're, you and I were talking about is like nourishing yourself within the context of the practice and mm-hmm. which is nourishing yourself so you can be up and ready for whatever is next in your life in your self-realization and your evolution as a human being and how you see the world and the impact that you want to make in the world if that's what you desire to do it um right yeah, yeah i think we're putting our, ourselves in that place that we know that there is work to be done and it's important that we're doing it but at the same time it's important to realize that we're not the only ones who are doing the work. And whenever we feel that we need to go back or take a step back, it's important to take that step back or two or three. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the work and wait. Yes. That's the hard lesson for me, at least. Yes. So we're replaceable. I think, <clears throat> I think that's important to remember is that we're replaceable. And that, that the, to me, it gets to the heart of what service or karma yoga really is which is that it's actually it is a yoga practice so it's yoga in that service helps us to see where our ego is attached and where we're stuck because those are the places that we're actually suffering and you know according to the yoga philosophy it's it's through you know quieting the mind and getting the ego i don't want to say under control but maybe in check seeing it more clearly that we can have peace right so so actually true service um, is self-care to me. Like it actually gives me energy. Um, like you mentioned in your teaching, like work, your class at the police station, it seemed like it gave you energy the way you talked about it. Like it made you feel good in the middle of your week, which is interesting, right? Because many people think, oh, yoga teaching is work and then I'm, I'm tired afterwards. But it seems like if we can really approach t- anything as service, it can, it can actually support us and lift us up. I think, I mean, my experience, there's nothing more rewarding in the spectrum of experiences as a human being. There's nothing more rewarding than knowing that what I do, what I'm passionate about, when it's shared with others, Mm-hmm. empowers them and when they get empowered that empowers myself yeah knowing that when i feel anxiety i do my work my service that anxiety goes away that when i feel depressed and i might be wondering if i'm going through a wave of depression or if i'm taking enough care of myself i go and teach 
and share and I give myself completely to the experience of sharing without any expectation, then I feel joyful. So for me, yes, I, I agree with you. Self-care and service, they are the same, they're the same thing. And as long as you're able to balance the quantity and the amount that you're giving yourself and you're not giving yourself as an excuse not to look at your own personal experience or mm-hmm. let's put it this way if you're doing so many hours of service and then you don't have a roof over your head or you're not yeah. taking care of your relationships or yeah. basic things that will be a, a red flag that the service that you've done that pays you back immediately as it's happening that i think is one of the 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 sweetest fruits of the practice for me mm-hmm. the practice mm-hmm. has given me gifts from the moment that i became a teacher whether i'm teaching in manhattan in a fancy yoga studio whether i'm in a retreat in italy the practice has been extremely generous but each of us has different calls and at this moment for me the sweetest fruits are coming from service mm-hmm. which is not the only way uh, but for me it's what resonates the most at this time yeah and also, I, I sometimes think of self-care as service to the body and mind. So like my body and mind are temporary for me, for my spirit. That's a temporary vehicle I have here in this lifetime that's going to go away, like I'm going to die. Um, but I have to care for, for it. I have to care for my body and mind. Um, and so I can find that balance, you know, of act, active service and then a more of an inward service um that that's what i try to explain in this chapter actually um so i'm I'm grateful to you for talking about this with me because that's that's really the point i try to get to in this section of the book is trying to understand how we can bring service into our teaching i wonder could you talk about what it's like to not serve like do do you ever i don't know if you're willing to share but like what is it like when you're not in that headspace like when you're not feeling serviceful is that a fair question? Yeah, that's pretty much, I think, not being of service is completely the opposite of what we're talking about is, in my experience, again, each of us will experience this in different ways, but when I'm not in service, I am extremely self-centered. Everything becomes too overwhelming hmm. because I'm too caught up in survival like if by worrying too much about survival will make it any easier we all go through our challenges and as you mentioned openly and you know we all have our our time here but i found that when i'm doing all these classes and connecting to people from so many different paths what's what ends up happening is that the load on my shoulders of being human and trying to be normal or functional as society wants us to be, that burden kind of eases a little bit because you're connecting to people at a human level. 
work. Doesn't matter if you have a lot of money in the bank. Doesn't matter if you have a job. Doesn't matter if you have a roof over your head. Doesn't matter if you're young. Doesn't matter if you're about to die within the next 24 hours. Yeah. We look at each other for what we are. And in those moments, there's no longer time. There's no longer space. There's no longer ego. Hmm. So those moments are uh, transformational. Yeah. 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 Thank you. That was very helpful. Sure. You said it beautifully. Um, yeah, and I, I just, I love this conversation. I feel like it, it can get very complex, but I think we really, I feel like you explained it very simply. Um, and, and actually I want to go back to your quote, because I think in the book, you did the same thing. You said it very, very clearly there. Um, you talk about, um, you talk about your service and you also talk about social justice. I wonder if you want to say anything about that. You talk about yoga became your social, your doorway into social justice. And these yeah. days I can't see one without the other. Um, yeah. It's very difficult for me. And I, I, I like to go back to real examples in my life because I can, we can get very theoretical about everything and social justice particularly. Yeah. But I experience that uh, every day uh, when I go to the shelters. It's impossible for me to go and teach a class of the homeless shelter and not become interested in what's happening on my city in terms of legislation. It's impossible for me not to want to get involved as a citizen and what is it that it's being done to take better care of the uh, homeless population. Right. It's difficult for me uh, not to go to a hospital, I mean, going to a hospice and not wondering, okay, what about all, all the people who might be going through difficult situations and they might have families or themselves going through this final stage in human life and not knowing what the resources are. So for me, yoga took me to these amazing places to teach and those, the, con the connection to organizations the connection to police station, the connection to prisons. In return, it gave me a larger perspective as a citizen. In the same way that in the world of yoga, we can easily see ourselves as part of, of a whole and we can see ourselves as divinity. But even before we do that, at a basic level, we need to see ourselves as citizens in our communities. And so doing this type of work for me makes me more aware of what's happening in, uh, in my city. For example, recently I became, through our nonprofit, we became part of the Chamber of Commerce just to have uh, access to, to those who are in charge and be able to offer more programs. Mm -hmm. I am gradually becoming more and more interested in, in the politics of it because Let's put it this way, there's a lot of interest, there's always money and all the important decision making. And sometimes all these yeah. decisions are not being taken in consideration of these populations. And these populations many times they don't have anyone to speak for them. So the more knowledgeable that I become as a citizen, the more I can have an impact with my 
yeah. with the people that follow me, with the people that are interested in the work that I do, the more knowledgeable I become and the more I can represent them. And whenever I can speak for them, mm. I just voted last night and a basic thing as voting and choosing to donate a penny out of taxes for the homeless. That's, that's was, was one of, one of the things that we were voting yesterday in the city of Miami. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel good because when I go to the homeless shelter, I know that there will be more funding yeah. for that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think the, the service and social justice and yoga ultimately, I would like to use those words interchangeably. <laughs> I love that. I love how you explained that. Thank you. I love that idea of just, um, you know, politics is in the, in the, in a way you can think of politics is just part of the way humans come together. You know, it's like we come, we talk about community a lot in yoga, like that word seems to be acceptable, but when you go to, you say politics, somehow it's like a red flag. Oh wait, yoga is political. What? But it's like, actually politics is just like the, guidelines and the rules we create in terms of how we run our community like a lar- on the larger level and how we elect representatives of that community and so to me that's not separate from our interactions with each other our relationships with each other and to me that's what yoga is about it's not just an inner practice it's about it starts inside with my inner work and then it affects the way i live in the world and the way i relate to other people and that would therefore include politics Right, because yes. that includes the, the guiding forces for our lives together. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of the issues that we're facing these days, as we all know, they're based on this structure that we assume this is the reality that we live on. And a lot of assumptions are being made. A lot of systems are being put in place. And at times, it's very easy to fall in the trap of feeling that we don't have a say, we don't have an impact in those decisions and the reality is that we do yeah we have a voice we do we can choose to use it or not exactly so maybe we don't want to speak um we don't want to focus energy in there in that way that's our choice but you're right i know i don't know if you know reggie hubbard he gave a keynote address at the closing of the accessible yoga conference and Mm -hmm. it's so interesting because he's a new yoga teacher brand new like a year but he worked for he like helped to run move on you know that organization Mm -hmm. and focused on um, addressing all the damage that Trump was doing during those four years. And to me, it's so interesting to listen to him and, and so many others. I think that there's a history in civil rights in particular of yoga and politics flowing together. If you look at, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, well, going back to Gandhi, even Gandhi, um, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, Thich Nhat Hanh, they all talk about those connections between spiritual practice and life, you know, there, there's no, there's no separation between our spiritual practice and our, um, our, our, the way we live in the world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the practices, yeah. the practices are, are, when we use that expression that we say, oh, we come to this life without a manual. And I hear that, like, I wish I had a, a a book of how to live my life, or I think the practice, that's exactly what it is. It's just a manual of instructions of how to move in the world, how to, and how to use the vehicle of your body in the best possible way. Yeah. 
That's great. Yeah. So Adrian, thank you. Anything else you want to share with us? I don't want to take no, all your time. I, I just want to share uh, how enriching it is always to connect with you, how uh, proud I feel being your friend and how much you encourage me, whether you know it or not, to make a lot of the decisions that I made in my, over the last couple of years. And I, I'd like to acknowledge all the teachers who might be getting into the field of yoga, might be wondering what to do, or I don't feel that I belong to this, or it's not easy. Um, I would like to share that when I was feeling that myself, and I have a lot of doubts, you were one of those few people who reminded me that amidst all the distractions that I can see in the yoga world, um, there's people like you who are doing the work day by day, inspiring others. Mm. And to never feel that there is enough, uh, that, that we have done enough. There's never mm. that feeling. There's so much more than needs to be done. You don't have yeah. to travel. You don't have to get a lot of education besides accessible yoga training. <laughs> it doesn't take that long to make a difference and feel that the practices are being put in good use. So well, we need to do you. it. I appreciate that. Yeah, there's there's always work to do. And all of this work really starts at home. You know, we can start with us and then with our family and our friends, our community, and then the larger community. Um, so thanks. I appreciate you saying that. So thanks for this. Thanks for sharing your wisdom with us today. And, um, you know, we'll put links in the show notes for, for you so people can follow you and take classes with you um, and stay up to date. All right. Thanks, Adrian. Thank you, Jim. Take care. Okay. All right. Bye. bye. Thanks so much for listening and joining the conversation. Yoga is truly a revolutionary practice. Thanks for being here. If you haven't already, I would love for you to read my book, The Yoga Revolution, Building a Practice of Courage and Compassion. It's available wherever books are sold. Also, you can check out my website, jivanaheyman.com. There's some pre-classes on there and a meditation, and you can find out more about my upcoming trainings and other programs. Hope to see you next time. Thanks. Bye.